It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Following a sold-out live podcast tour last year, Niall Breslin, a.k.a. Brezzy, is bringing his multi-award winning Where Is My Mind podcast on the road again next month in advance of his Cork Opera House gig. Delighted to say Brezzy joins me live in studio this morning. Good morning to you, Brezzy. Good morning. And you're very welcome. And, th- and we appreciate you taking time out to come, come to us in studio. Um, you, you're going to be in the Opera House on Saturday, the 21st of April. You didn't perform there last year as part of the tour, did you? No, actually, I did. I was meant to play the Opera House uh, in Cork. I announced two tours during and every during the pandemic, and every okay. time I announced a new tour, a new wave would come. So oh. I stopped announcing them because I thought it was my fault at that stage. <laughs> that every time a new sh- show would come, a new wave would come. So it was actually too heartbreaking to put a tour together and then get cancelled and yeah. put another tour cancelled. So this is me coming back. Yeah, that uh, was such a tough time, wasn't it, on on artists. I don't think we've even, be- I think everybody, I don't think anybody's had a, a chance to process it. I, yeah. and, and you don't need to lament it and, you know, think about it all the time. But we haven't had a chance to process it. We just told it to get going and go again and say nothing and pretend it didn't happen. And it definitely had impacts, not just professionally, but very much personally on me as well. I, 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 I It was an absolute whack. I didn't know how to deal with it. Uh, and I ended up living with my parents. I cocooned my parents for the two years, so... Yeah, it was a strange time, as I said, like not processing it and moving on. I don't know if it's the best thing. Yeah, because I I saw you did a podcast. I think it was for Imro at the time during COVID. Mm. And it was all about, you know, being aware of people's mental health was just 
And that was so important for people to take time out and just to try to come to terms with what was happening to all of us. Well, I would argue the, the pandemic was very much a psychological pandemic uh, uh, more than it was a physical one. I think the impact it had on people psychologically and still has yeah. is, is really something we need to address. And I know they're going to do an inquiry into it. But one of the things I kept saying is like, on Nefesh, where's the psychologists? Yeah, where, 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 where are the people talking about this absolute psychological strain that is put on society and it really did and I think at the start I, I think there was a bit of novelty to it we're like it oh we're back at home and yeah. the weather's good and, and then very quickly it, there was there was an intensity to it and I remember when Leo Varadkar told you know anyone over 70 they have to cocoon and I was sitting in a room with my parents and I was like as if, if, as if they don't already feel vulnerable and they're being told they can't leave the house and nobody ever talked about that and, and what that would do to someone. So I think it's something we have to kind of kind of tip away at. And yeah, and it's funny, actually, later on, I'm talking with the hospice. Uh, they've had their first study called Time to Reflect on people who lost loved ones during the pandemic. And there's mm. a whole nightmare wow, yeah. contained in that. People who lost loved ones and weren't able to be with them. Well, we, we lost my uncle to COVID very quickly. I, an auntie died of cancer. She never got to actually go and get checked because, oh, because she, she yeah. had a pain in her back and wouldn't go into hospital. Uh, well, she wasn't allowed going to hospital, and then my other auntie uh, got cancer as well. So, these are the realities of of of, and and it's not a blame game. No one's putting fingers and looking for scapegoats. Like that's not going to solve any problems. But I think we need to acknowledge the impact that had on people. And you know, for somebody who works as a mental health campaigner for the last twelve years, here's a very good opportunity to actually invest properly in how we. We, we support people with mental health issues. Yeah, well done, well done. Okay, let's bring you back to what you're here to talk about. This is your 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 podcast and the show and your tour that, that you're doing. How do you transfer an award-winning podcast that we all either sit at home and listen to and you might be out in your walk listening uh, to it, but we, we have a tendency to do it on our own and I, and I love po- podcasts and I love getting absorbed into a podcast. How do you transfer that onto the stage? I suppose long before I was a podcaster or I was a musician, I'd been on stage for... 20 years so like the first rule of being on stage is you've got to entertain regardless of you whether it's educational or whatever there has to be a form of entertainment you're putting people in the room for two hours uh, they need to leave with something in their pockets you know yeah. so that's the first thing I thought of so there's a lot of music in it there's yeah. a lot of spoken word monologues guests it's quite a dynamic show it moves you know it's not just me sitting down theorizing on my mental health at all and it's actually quite a humorous show people don't expect that from it because they're going it's going to be around culture and mental health. I said, it's not. It's about the state of my mind and the hilarity when I look back on it. And, I, you know, don't get me wrong, it was pretty difficult at times, but there were some moments when I looked, how did anyone not think there was something wrong with me? And y- you can almost bring that lightness to it and that reverence to it. And people love that because it makes it relatable. And the other thing, it's quite a vulnerable show as well. Like I, I, I keep saying to people, I work across the board with people, you can be strong and vulnerable at the same time. And that's a message that I always try to get across to young people is like, you know, that is part of the show. You know, I am quite vulnerable about what the things that have happened to me. But I also, you know, I'm it's quite a strong thing to do to get up on stage and talk about that stuff. And to and, and you then impart your knowledge in the hopes that somebody that in sitting in the audience will identify with something you've been through and then you almost try and give them the tools this is what you need to do I think it's really important it's a really good question because I I completely evolved how I think about this I have no right to stand on stage and tell people how to live their lives because I don't know what they're dealing with Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're carrying and anyone who stands up on a stage and starts telling you they've it all figured out is lying to you nobody has 150 years trying to figure out this piece of me between our ears (laughs) 
I'm not there to do that. I'm there to empower them to understand that these things that we all navigate are things that every human tends to do. And there's a collectiveness in that and there's a comfort in that. Uh, and I think that's important. I've evolved my thinking. I used to always say it was about the individual. You know, you need to you need to look after yourself. But now I started to realize just look around us. The chaos of the world and mm. the, the difficulty and overwhelm that we see on a front row seat every single day. And if you're feeling tired, exhausted, anxious and rinsed right now, good, you should be. And I think that's something people need to hear. It's 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 not normal what we're seeing and it's not normal how we have to pro- deal with it. You know, as I said, back in the day, there were bad things happen. We just didn't see them all the time. Mm. So all of this now stuff, they're constantly in our they're face. constant and that's overwhelming. And a lot of people are feeling that right now. And I think that's part of the show. It's like, OK, I'm feeling it. You probably are, too. And maybe we should we should meet there. And and you set up the stage almost like it's kind of a sitting room. You, you plonk a couch on the stage. Is, is is that kind of the format of it? Yeah, and a piano, yeah. which oh. is an interesting <laughs> one. There's no plonking pianos anywhere, I can tell you. Some crack moving them. But uh, I, I'm a piano player by trade. That's how I started my yeah. music life. So I, I wanted to bring a lot of piano into it, into the theatre stage and play these songs that I composed with spoken word. I use a lot of words from Michael Harding and Jonathan. Love and Michael like Harding. These. And I just use their words and I play to them. And it's it's kind of it's a lovely it's a lovely moment musically for people. So the whole thing is it's very laid back and formal and entertaining. But it, it the key to it is, as I said, when people leave, they feel like they've taken a deep breath. Um, and some people are like, is it like do we meditate and stuff? No, like I would never do that to somebody <laughs> to put them into yeah, the Cork Opera yeah. House. And, okay, lads. Were, and, and it's so funny. You do some shows and there's lads, lads sitting in the front with their partners going, what am I doing? Here? I've been dragged Jesus. here because ourselves wanted to yeah. go. And then 10 minutes into it, it's like, oh, Jesus, it's not too bad. Yeah, you know? This is and, a bit of crack. Yeah, that's what, and that's yeah. what I'm trying to get, you know. And you have a, you, you always bring a guest along uh, to each of your performances. And you, you, have, you have a wonderful lady for the Cork Opera House. Yeah, Trish Lewis. Trisha yeah. Transformation. I, I, you know, she's magnetic as a person. She's got huge charisma. Um, everything about the kind of way she has approached what she's doing is, is a huge indication. What I'm talking about is that, that, you know, if you empower people with the right type of language, the right words, they can, they can take control of a lot of things in their lives. And she's a prime example of that. And mm. I think when I was thinking Cork, I was like, right, who, who would I get? Would I get a musician? You know, will I will I guess whoever? And then I was like, no, I'll get like I've I've never interviewed her yet. I've met her many times, and I've never interviewed her. And it's a different thing interviewing somebody. Yeah. So I was like, let's get see if Trish is around. She says I am, but you'll have to pick me up in Mitchellstown on the way past. <laughs> so that's that's the only caveat. And is 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 that what you will do with Trish on the night? You you'll sit and interview. You'll sit and it'll be like somebody listening in on a conversation between the two of you. That's what we, that's what it's meant to be like. Yeah. And, and when it's like that, I think the audience really connect with it. And the first hour of the show is me, music, a bit of monologue, spoken word, and then the second half is the guest comes on and we have this fairly open, enjoyable conversation. And I think that's the bit I get to relax a little bit with as well because the, the kind of bulk of the show is finished and now it's just a conversation. And yeah. I think the audience relates. And to she's that. great. She's uh, we've, we've had her on the programme many, uh, many times. Okay, somebody wants to know, does Bracey believe we are getting better at talking about our men- mental health? I think we are. I think there's two two sides to that. Part of my PhD research is we're, we're also moving to, you know, put a pathology in normal human distress, like things like anxiety and stress and overwhelm. These are normal experiences and we shouldn't have to always put a label on them, you mm. know, and I think we have to be careful with that. I think uh, societally we definitely are uh, reducing the stigma. I think when it comes to the more serious mental health issues that we can see in society like schizophrenia and bipolar and other things, I think we're still struggling with them. I think they're still very much stigmatised. And I think systematically, this is the big focus of my work, 
I don't think we're delivering the systems that require that we need to support especially young people. These systems, it's not just about money, it's about how we do this. And one of the big focuses of my work and my charity's work is early intervention and mm. early prevention. So, yeah, it's great society's doing its job, but I think systematically now and politically, they need to step up here. And the, the issues are complex, the solutions are not. And it's very important people realise that. There's very that's, simple that, things. That's an important statement. Because, you know, we're always hearing that mental health is the poor relation of the, the health system. And yet we've got successive governments throwing money at it. Yeah, and it's in careful. So it's, we're about 6% of the health budget on mental health. I'm yeah. more interested in what the 6% is spent on. Yeah. You know, we have to be very focused. So I look, I'm looking at 200 years of mental health intervention and I'm looking at what we did and as difficult as it was, we moved from treatments like malaria treatment, lobotomies, these awful barbaric treatments. And we've moved on, I suppose, out of the institutionalization that Ireland was very, you know, by 1950, Ireland had the highest level of people in psychiatric institutions in the world. We loved putting people into institutions. Well, they just got committed. Just committed. For, for, uh, and the really sad part of, of my research is most people, well, a lot of people who got committed, there was nothing wrong with them. They didn't even have mental And that's your say. issue. So uh, yeah. there's legacies that still prevail yeah. from that. Yeah. And our current government, I don't think, know what to do with that. I don't buy into the fact that they don't care. I, I, I just can't. You know, I... I, I don't either. I, 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 I think I, they, yeah. it scares them. I think this area scares them. I think... You know, I'm not a cheerleader for for our government in any way, and there's huge issues within policy and social issues in this country. We know that, but we're not the UK when you look at what's happening there. We're not America. I can still connect with these politicians, and, and I can still ask them, why aren't we changing these things? So I think we need to value that in our democracy, and it's something I value hugely. I don't agree with a lot of what they do, but when it comes to mental health, I ain't going to solve this problem by throwing stones at it. Uh, we have to bring solutions now. And there are people doing that. So what I would say to politicians is you, you need to, this needs, a, this needs a paradigm shift. This needs an entirely different way of looking at mental health. We need to move away from the strict focus of the medical model that we have. International literature has told us time and time again, we need to look at more social and psychosocial interventions. It uh, isn't all about a pill. No, and, and the thing about it is when you look at historically when you look at mental health most people who've ended up in institutions were traumatized they've had famines cost you know wars yeah. they've had independence they've colonialism very traumatic history ireland has had and a lot of people actually when psychiatry started when institutions started it was called moral management and they just took people in they gave them refuge they fed them they kept them safe they kept them warm they took them for walks that's what it was well, and then very quickly it turned into the, the institutionalisation yeah. that we see now where it, it, it moved from treatment to control. And these are things we need to talk about. And that's why in our current system we have all these legacies that still prevail. And I, for one, am, I'm really, really do my best to try and bring some potential solutions. Well done. well done. And actually, I read in the paper yesterday the project you're involved in to honour the unmarked graves at the former psychiatric hospital, St. Lomans in Monagar. In Monagar. And obviously the psychiatric hospitals all over the country. Mm. There's there's obviously, yeah, there's yeah. obviously, they were just buried, some were just numbers. Buried with a number, like a penal system, like they were prisoners, having not committed any crime. And a lot of that was really sad because their, parent, their families didn't want their names on the crosses because the, the, the stigma and the shame. So what we've found is just a mass grave in St. Normans of 1300, just a big field. And there was 1300 people buried there. And as I said, an awful lot of them had very little wrong with them. Uh, they were. I always say to the families that we've worked with, you didn't. They didn't fail society. Society failed them. them. Yeah. You shouldn't be carrying shame over this. And I think institutionalisation is something Ireland is finally coming to terms with, uh, and there's a lot of work to do. But we haven't even began to look at the psychiatric situa no. situation, because 
I don't think there's been any kind of will to do it. So I'm just taking where I grew up. I grew up beside St. Norman's. Uh, I knew people in there. I knew people who worked there. These were good people doing what they thought were the right thing at the right time at that time. But uh, we need to acknowledge it now and give them some integrity back. Well said. Well said. OK, uh, back to where we started. Saturday, April the 21st in the Cork Opera House. Are there tickets still available, Brezzy? There are a few. It's flying out. Okay, and my well whole done. thing is to try and sell out Cork Opera House is always a dream of any touring musician yeah, or and, and, and as you say, the, the pandemic got in the way. There's no pandemic getting in the way this time. Uh, so uh, go to uh, corkoperahouse.com for your tickets. Listen, Brezzy, it was a real pleasure to have you in the studio. Thank you for that. And Thanks we'll chat again. Sound. Good morning to you.